Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back to the program again today, and thank you so much for joining us and taking time out of your busy schedule to follow along. Uh, we've been uh, talking for about eight weeks from the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. For the last four weeks, we had um, my pastor on with us talking about the roadmap to Reformation. I trust you're being blessed by this because this is a series that has so resonated in my spirit in this season and so many powerful parallels that I think would really uh, bless us during this season because I believe God is more interested in this season in healing our brokenness than He is judging us for our sin. I think sometimes we are so quick to holler the judgment of God that we don't really realize that He's the Savior, not just the Savior of the uh, nation of Israel, but He's the Savior of the world. For God so, so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are how God became King of the world in the person of His Son, and is now seated at the right hand of God, ruling and reigning, and uh, with us, His people, as His vehicle in the earth to see the kingdom of God continue to expand. I'm probably going to go to the deep end of the pool a little bit in this next series or segments that we're going to film for television, so I encourage you to get a notepad or um, pencil, paper, your Bible, whatever you want, because we're going to study the Word of God. I believe so long we've, we've, we scrape surfaces on the Word, and it's time for us to get in the Word of God and to study. If you've missed any of the former programs that we've done, or the teachings, you can go back and watch us on YouTube. Uh, uh, there is a uh, direct link from my website that's already on the screen, lenhiles.com, back to our uh, YouTube channel where we archive everything that we air uh, there. Everything we've aired to date is there's over 500 videos there that we've aired since we've been on since 2010. There is also a podcast with the audio portions of these teachings on it, and there is an RSS feed for your Android device, and the easiest way to get to do that is go to my website in the upper right-hand corner. The icons that are up there will take you directly to uh, our channel, and you can watch or listen to them on demand. We've been talking about the roadmap to Reformation. We've been talking from the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, which are the books of Restoration, and I believe they give us great patterns to where uh, help us to kind of see some things that I believe God is speaking to us. Uh, when, uh, I, I, you know, the, the prophet Daniel began to prophesy about the Restoration, God began to show him because he had read from the books of Jeremiah. Daniel was a prophet who was in Babylon during the time of the first of the carrying away of the children of Israel into Babylonian captivity. We're going to talk a good bit about Babylon today. And Daniel was in Babylonian captivity with the people of God, and he wanted to know how long they would be in that captivity. And he read the book of Jeremiah, where Jeremiah prophesied that there would be seventy years of captivity. And then the prophet Isaiah, and I believe it was Jeremiah, prophesied that a king by the name of Cyrus would come on the scene who would give commandment to build and restore, uh, uh, the, to, to restore God's house. 
that prophet calls Cyrus by name, I believe it is something like 150 years before he is born. For anybody who doubts the Word of God, it's pretty powerful to me that God could use a prophet and foretell what would happen even hundreds of years into the future of the history of Israel and their covenant journey. And so Daniel is prophesying, and God is giving him some understanding concerning this uh, period of time, and he tells him 70 years they would be in captivity, and then God would send, raise up a king by the name of Cyrus. Cyrus comes on the scene. I believe it was he could not sleep. I forget all of the details of it, but it was probably Daniel who went and got the book of Isaiah, and Cyrus the king reads this and realizes God called him by name a hundred and some years before he was born, and commissioned him and called him to rebuild. Uh, he, so he gives commandment to Ezra and Nehemiah to rebuild the temple. And then in the, in the midst of this, the prophet Daniel begins to hear God say something concerning a greater restoration, not of just a physical temple, but of a spiritual temple. Not of just a physical Jerusalem, but of a spiritual Jerusalem. Not just of a royal revolt like a king like David would come and lead with swords and spears against the Romans who would be in power when Jesus would come on the scene, but someone who would come with a different kind of a sword, a sword that comes out of his mouth called the Word of God. And he would be the fulfillment of all the promises that God had made to the fathers. He was the culmination he was the seed of Abraham that God said, in you shall all the nations, your seed will bless all the nations of the earth. And these shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. That's fulfilled in Christ. Galatians 3 says that the law was added because of a transgression until the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and that seed was Christ. So he was the fulfillment of the Abrahamic seed. And then he goes on to say, and if you be Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. I have a whole chapter in this new book called The Great I Am, and I'm sure they're going to put uh, an ad on the screen uh, shortly. But there's one in there called I'm the True Vine. Jesus is the true vine. He's the true Israel of God. Jesus is the true Israel of God. And if you are in Him, then you are in the Israel of God and you are part of the new covenant. If you're not in Him and Jesus is not the true Israel of God, then the new covenant is not for us. Now that's just as plain as I know how to make it. But he said, I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel after those days, saith God. And so the covenant God makes is between Him and His Son. And because we are in that Son, and when He calls Him forth out of Egypt, when He called the children of Israel, out of Egypt, he said, uh, out of, uh, he said, Israel is my firstborn, and out of Egypt have I called my son. When Jesus flees from Herod and goes down into the uh, land of Egypt until the death of Herod, when he returns back up out of the land of Egypt, the scriptures grab that in the New Testament, say, so that the scripture might be fulfilled, Israel is my firstborn, and out of Egypt have I called my son. Jesus is the true Israel of God. He is indeed 
the place that you and I live as citizens. Now we, it is in Him that we live and we move and we have our being. And because we are in Him, we are a part of that new covenant and the blessing of God that comes on us by virtue of that new covenant. And I think that's so powerful uh, of an understanding. Jesus was the fulfillment of the promise that God made of the royal seed of David that would sit on his throne. And Ezekiel 37 talks about that uh, one would sit on the throne that would never vacate the throne. He would rebuild the temple. That temple's not in the Middle East. That temple is a people. It's made out of lively stones fitly framed together. We're going to talk about in coming segments a tale of two cities. Uh, Babylon, New Jerusalem. It's a tale of two temples, an old temple that's natural, a new temple which is spiritual. We're going to talk about uh, uh, two covenants, an old covenant and a new covenant, uh, an old t- uh, covenant community and a new covenant community. And when you start to see, it's get, the scriptures are not that difficult. I think that sometimes we have uh, added so many things to them, and lot, instead of allowing the scriptures to interpret the scriptures, we let USA Today do it, or we let CNN, or Fox News, or somebody else try to uh, uh, try to interpret the scriptures. But the scriptures will interpret themselves. But in the midst of that uh, fulfillment, Jesus becomes the fulfillment of those prophetic words. And so he's the fulfillment of all the promises that God made of a restoration of, of, of a new Jerusalem, of a restoration of a temple. He brings that about in a new covenant community of faith. And so what I want to do today is not only that, but see Daniel the prophet as he stands in the midst of it, as well as Zechariah the prophet really does this, and Haggai as well. We're going to talk about some things from these prophets because all of them were contemporaries. Daniel was in Babylonian captivity and is asking God how long they're going to be there. Zechariah is there during the rebuilding of the temple. Haggai is there during the rebuilding of the temple under uh, the different reigns of the king, I believe, of Cyrus and the king of Persia that came down to restore and gave commandment to restore and build. So these prophets in the midst of talking and prophesying to the restoration of this natural city of Jerusalem. Back in the days when Ezra and Nehemiah, Cyrus, and all of these prophets were alive, these things were happening historically, and they were fulfilled. But these prophets used that as a metaphor to show a fulfillment of a greater son of David, a greater city, a better covenant, a better temple, and a people of God that are restored to favor with God to where the nations of the earth would bring their glory and honor into it. I believe we are living in a day when there is a lot of chaos, but just like Ezra and Nehemiah, there was a lot of chaos and in the midst of it, as you heard me say, I felt like the Lord said to me, and my pastor had preached this as well, arise, let us build That's what he said through Nehemiah. Let us not find ourselves in deconstruction and in rebellion, but rise, let us build. If there's anything we need in this hour from leaders, whether it's political or whether it is religious leaders or whether it is leaders in general, we must arise and build. We must beat our swords and weapons into plowshares and our spears into pruning hooks. 
and begin to declare and preach some things that can bring some calm in our nation, bring some calm to our people in the midst of this pandemic, because as you heard me share before, right in the midst of every pandemic in history, God began to move by His Spirit. The Spirit of God always hovers over chaos. What we do in these moments of opportunity is very important. And instead of arise and bring more division, I want to arise and build. I want to build relationships. I want to build families. I want to build the local church. I want to build you up in your most holy faith. I want to build the city of God, which is a people. I want to build the temple of God, which is a people made out of lively stones that are fitly framed together. I want to build bridges. I want to build racial reconciliation. I want to build uh, uh, community. I want us to arise and return to some things that can bring us back to the foundations. Because the first thing they had to do was begin to lay the foundations. And Haggai especially prophesied and said, look back and see that from the moment you, you began to build some restoration foundations, that God began to move on your behalf. Now, I'll get to that in just a little while, but I want to really grab this, and really this may be very important for you. It's right in the midst of this Babylonian captivity. When Daniel is understanding how long they will be in captivity, God tells him 70 years. And then, right following that, Daniel chapter 9, he starts out by the angel Gabriel coming to him to show him something of a greater fulfillment of this. And he begins to prophesy, and God speaks to Daniel. He said, 70 weeks of years, or literally 490 years, are determined upon my people to finish the trans. I am excited to announce the release of my newest book titled, The Great I Am. In this book, we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. Every time he uses that phrase, it is always in contrast to something from the Old Covenant. For instance, they thought that the bread that fell in the wilderness was the true bread, but Jesus says to them, your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and are dead, but I am the true bread. They thought Moses and the law was the door to the sheepfold, but Jesus said to them, I am the door. As you read the pages of this book, you will truly discover the faith that replaces fear and that believing you will have life through His name. You will discover that Jesus removed the covenant of death and replaced it with the covenant of life. You will rediscover that He is the Great I Am. Get your copy of the book, The Great I Am, today. The transgression to make an end of sin, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision, and to anoint the most holy place. From the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem until the Messiah, the Prince, will be 483 years. What most, well, if you, if you are a Bible scholar, even every prophecy teacher, I think, pretty much will tell you that this commandment to restore and build Jerusalem went forth in Ezra chapter 7 under King Artaxerxes. And when Artaxerxes gave this decree to restore and build Jerusalem, now Ezra rebuilt the temple, but 
Nehemiah rebuilds the city. So the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem came under King Artaxerxes, and it was exactly 483 years. And Jesus comes on the scene at the last seven-year period of a 490-year scope of the prophecy. Uh, I could probably put this on the screen, but I think we're probably, uh, you know, that's probably uh, something that you can understand. I'm just trying to describe to you. It was exactly 483 years from the time that Artaxerxes gives the command in Ezra chapter 7 to restore and build Jerusalem. Exactly 483 years later, Jesus comes on the scene. He stands up in the temple and he says, go get the book of Isaiah. And he finds the place where it is written, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel, to set at li- to preach the gospel to the poor, to set at liberty them that are bruised. And he lists a lot of things that he was to do and to declare the acceptable year of the Lord, which is the year of Jubilee. And he closed the book. He said, this day this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. In other words, Jesus was the fulfillment of this prophecy, first of all, and He's also the fulfillment of the Jubilee. Now let me say to you that Jubilee was a time when the debts are canceled, and you are returning back to your homeland. What Jesus was bringing them back, He was bringing them out of the exile of alienation from God and giving them opportunity to come back into the covenant that he was about to offer because he would confirm the covenant with many, the scripture says, for one week. For seven years he would confirm. He preached the coming of the new covenant for seven years, and in the last seven-year period of the scope of Daniel's prophecy, Messiah was cut off after three and a half years of his earthly ministry. There's three and a half years left of the scope of that prophecy. That's why he tells his disciples, go first to Judea, then to Jerusalem, then to the uttermost part of the earth. In other words, God is giving Israel every opportunity to come into the covenants of promise. And uh, so they, uh, in the middle of the last seven-year period, that most prophecy teachers use some kind of a uh, wrong hermeneutic to put some kind of parentheses theory to stop time, for, and hold the seven-year period for whenever it's convenient, or however they, they say after the church has had, after the age of grace, God will kick the last seven-year period back in. But see, the book of Ephesians says that in the ages to come, God will show the riches of His grace and His kindness toward us. The age of grace does not end. In the ages to come, He will show us the riches of His glorious grace and His kindness toward us. His mercies are new every morning. His mercy endures forever. There's not a end of the age of grace. Now let me just say to you that when, when, when Jesus begins to preach in the middle, He confirms the covenant. He's offering the new covenant to natural Israel so that anybody whosoever will can come into these covenants of promise. I believe the 144,000 that are in the book of Revelation are the first fruits of those that came out of the nation of Israel. They were the remnant that returned and did come to the new covenant, Zion, and they did come to the new covenant city of the living God. And to the rest, 
when when that 490 year period was over, the door was then uh, closed as far as the old covenant Jerusalem, the old covenant Israel was concerned, and now the door was open to come in through a new covenant through Jesus Christ. He's the only way. He's the only in this book again called the Great I Am. Uh, what I show is that uh, he says I am. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, I am the door. There's no other way into the sheepfold other than through the door. We may talk about that a little bit more when we talk about the restoration of the sheep gate in the book of Nehemiah. There's no other way in. There's no alternative salvation. Anything that preaches that there's another way in is another gospel, which is not another gospel at all. And Paul the apostle said, let him be accursed if he preaches any other gospel. It's, it's not what he says is not a gospel at all, because it's not good news. There is no other name given under heaven whereby men must be saved, but at the name of Jesus. Every knee will bow, every tongue will swear that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so what happens then is that Daniel is starting to give a prophecy concerning the greater fulfillment of these things. And that 490 year period ended about three and a half years after the death of Jesus. And then all of a sudden, God begins to to speak to people like Peter and say, go to the house of Cornelius. It's a revolutionary concept to Peter. Because he sees the vision of the sheet knit at the four corners, wherein is all matter of four-footed beast and creeping things. And he says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, I've never eaten anything common or unclean. What he's seeing is a vision of what he thinks is common and unclean. But what God is showing him is the house of Cornelius, which was an Italian, I believe he was a centurion, in other words, God was beginning to break into uh, the understanding of Peter with a revelation of a mystery that had been hid from ages, which would be Christ in among even the Gentiles, the hope of glory. And so God was about to include Gentiles, and all of a sudden, Italians are getting saved. They're receiving the Holy Ghost. They're receiving the kingdom because the kingdom's in the Holy Ghost. And then you see the one who stood by and held the garments of those who stoned Stephen, who made the final and last prophetic indictment against the natural house of Israel, said, you by wicked hands have crucified the Lord of glory. And for verse after verse, he brings a scathing rebuke to the religious rulers, and they pick up stones to stone Stephen. There stood there one who consented to the death of Stephen, named Saul of Tarsus. But a few chapters later, God knocks that Saul of Tarsus to the ground, blinds him, if you will, to that old covenant, blinds him by the light, and then sends a man by the name of Ananias to open his eyes. I don't think it's an accident that a man by the name of Ananias lays his hands on him because Ananias' name means grace. There's only one thing that can open the eyes of a legalist, and that's the gospel of grace. And Paul became one of the greatest preachers of the new covenant and of the grace of God that ever walked the planet. And when he gives his testimony uh, saying, I was the chiefest of sinners, when he gives his testimony in Philippians, he said, let me tell you what I was. He said, I was born of the tribe of Benjamin. I was circumcised the eighth day 
of the stock of Israel. I sat at the feet of Gamaliel, and as touching the law, I was blameless. That's what Paul calls being the chiefest of sinners, because the word sin means to miss the mark. And the mark is not the law of Moses. The mark is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ, and bearing the image of the invisible God, Jesus was uh, God's image bearer in the earth. And what Paul was seeing is God was about to release the gospel uh, to them, and uh, he was about to include Gentiles. And, and Zechariah and the prophets, they all prophesied the inclusion of the nations bringing their glory and honor into it. But for the next 40 years, from about 30 AD when Jesus gives the Olivet Discourse concerning the destruction of that temple again. Now remember, I'm drawing parallels of how, and you must, I mean, you, you need to watch this one and really get this one. Because I'm drawing parallels of how the destruction of Jerusalem by the Babylonians, clear back here under Nebuchadnezzar, is a powerful picture. And Jesus draws several uh, several. Uh, uh, prophetic words, even when he's dealing with Jerusalem, uh, even concerning even the, the potter's field and the valley of Hinnom and some of those, he draws all of those analogies from the Babylonian uh, empire taking the people captive into the land of Babylon. And so what we're seeing is that was a historical natural picture of what was about to happen once again around 30, between 30 AD and 70 AD is that one more time Babylon was about to overrun and take, the, and we'll see that in Revelation as we get over there, because he calls this, he, he calls this great city a harlot and calls her great Babylon. And we will unravel some of this, but what he's simply uh, showing you is that these people were about to be carried away captive again, and it was about to be plundered again. And this time, a temple was going to be destroyed again, and in the midst of it, God was going to raise up another temple. And that's why Jesus introduces himself in John chapter 2 by saying, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it back up again. And they thought he was talking about the natural temple, but he's talking about the temple of his body. And that was his individual body first, but us as the body of Christ secondarily by extension. But what was happening was that there can't be two temples in the same location. One of them's got to go. One temple's got to be destroyed. But I tell you this, the glory of this latter house is far greater than that of the former. And so these are parallels that are showing us a move from an old covenant system to a new covenant system and from uh, the d destruction of one temple to the restoration of a new temple. And we will see a lot of these parallels as we continue in this series on the book of Ezra. But I wanted you to see that these prophets were declaring the same thing, and God was telling, it's time to rise up and move out of this Babylonian captivity and into the city of your restoration. Jesus is the great son of David that was sent to do that. We're about to run out of time, so I want you to... Uh, Take a moment, if you would, and uh, uh, call the number on the screen or uh, go to our website. It's the easiest way to give. If you'd like to support what we're doing, uh, you can do that by going to our website. There's a place where you can give through PayPal. You can use a debit. You can use a Visa. You can use your credit card, whatever you want to use to do that. You can also write a check or money order and send it to the number that will come on the screen in just a few moments. We do need your help.
And if you would uh, become a partner with us on a monthly basis, it would help us to take the gospel like this around the world. Don't just sit back and watch and not be a part. Partner with us today. God bless you. I am excited to announce the release of my latest book titled The Great I Am. In this book we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. When He uses that phrase, it is always in contrast to something from the Old Covenant. For instance, they thought Moses and the law was the door into the sheepfold, but Jesus said to them, I am the door. They thought that Israel was the true vine, but Jesus said to them, I am the vine, you are the branches. As you read the pages of this book, you will discover that Jesus removed the covenant of death and replaced it with the covenant of life. Get your copy of the book, The Great I Am, today.